Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. My name is Chris Chapman and I am your host. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator, or mover and shaker in their industry and walk through their story of how they have gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to reiterate my main goal, which is to really impact over one million people by helping them reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. So if you have not done this already, please take the time to subscribe to Next Level Minds on Apple Podcast. Leave a you know comment, review. Also share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague who you think will really get some value out of it. Now, on to today's episode. I'm sitting down with a good friend of mine from Charlotte, North Carolina, Justin Kelsey. By day, he is a assistant vice president at Bank of America, really just handling a lot of their digital strategy. And by night, he's the founder of Vaxa Digital, which his company creates scroll-stopping content for e-commerce companies. So he's worked with a lot of not only up-and-coming e-commerce companies, but he's worked with some very successful e-commerce companies as well. So with this episode, we're really just going to walk through his story of what it was like of starting multiple companies at a young age. We also are going to walk through post-college graduation, what it was like really consulting you know, a lot of Fortune 500 and Fortune 100 companies in his day-to-day operations. And then we'll really walk through how he shifted from that and successfully started his company that he runs today. Justin's one of those guys that if I have any questions out there related to time management, just overall routines, producing systems, or just general business knowledge, he's one of those guys that I come to firsthand. So I just want to strongly reiterate that I am extremely confident that he's going to drop a lot of knowledge today, sending around multiple different topics. So I'm pumped for the listeners out there. I'm pumped to speak with them. Other than that, thanks again for taking the time to tune in to this week's episode of Next Level Minds. Justin, thanks for hopping on the uh, Next Level Minds podcast. This has been a long time coming, so I'm super stoked that you're sitting down with us today. I'm glad to be here, Mr. Chris. It's been a, been a long time in the works here, so I'm glad we could link up uh, mid-quarantine and make this happen. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of that, this studio we're in right now is <laughs> literally absolutely amazing. I mean, straight out of a movie, I think. I so. uh, appreciate it, man. You have no idea how much uh, sweat and labor went into making this uh, what it is for only living here for a year and then having to rip it all down. Uh, but it definitely does the trick. Yeah. So. so so for the audio listeners, could you briefly kind of describe how this room is just so they can get the picture here? Yeah. So uh, it's a very small room. Um, it's not anything too crazy like Chris describes, but basically we, we've done the most to turn our second bedroom in my apartment here 
into something that I could use for video production during quarantine. So I mounted about 128 sound uh, dampening panels on the wall, which help with the echo. That just obviously as we record videos is very important. Uh, got Don Draper sitting here behind us on the wall uh, since we do run an advertising company. I uh, figured it was fitting. And then I have probably a couple thousand dollars worth of studio lights, uh, keeping it nice and lit up inside here. So that's pretty much the studio. It does the trick. It keeps me away and keeps keeps work and play uh, very clearly separated while I'm at home during the day. So that's uh, that was the reason I, I built it out here. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, honestly, man, your company is super cool. Uh, you guys, you know, really do scroll stopping creative. And, you know, that's such an eye grabber. Um, so, so with that said, like before you really introduce your story, I'd love if you could first really just introduce your company and let everyone know what it is. And then we'll get into kind of some of the introduction there. Yeah, sounds good. So, uh, name of the company is Vaxa Digital. Basically, we, we started out as a small creative shop. Uh, we were doing some awesome like lifestyle content early on. So Lamborghini, we were doing some stuff mm. with Ferrari. We had a lot of like awesome exotic car companies and jets and yacht companies we were doing work with, which was kind of something, just a passion of mine, um, doing it as a freelancer, really just getting started. But I realized that there wasn't a lot of growth. There wasn't a lot of scalability within that niche. So we transitioned over to e-commerce, which as, as you'll learn, that's kind of my other big passion. Um, I've always loved selling stuff online. And I realized that there was a problem in the e-commerce space where there was a bunch of media buyers out there, but really nobody that could create scroll-stopping creative mm -hmm. to fuel those media buying campaigns. Uh, so we, we kind of took a shift over to e-commerce as our main niche, you know, really started to blow up, saw an opportunity also to scale the media buying side of the house. So I brought in a media buyer that turned into two media buyers that turned into a strategy person and an account exec. And now we're, we're, we're growing pretty rapidly, which I'm, I'm very grateful for. Um, and hopefully in the next, uh, next couple months here to, yeah, it really starts to take off to, to the point we're hoping for COVID obviously put a damp damper on things, but I think we're, we're stoked. We've had a lot of awesome growth through the whole process and, and we're landing some really amazing seven and eight figure e-commerce brands right now as clients. So we're, we're full steam ahead trying to get some growth here. Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially with how e-commerce is shaping up right now and so many different brands launching off. Like I'm sure you guys have obviously despite COVID, but I'm sure you guys have kind of had some new clients and everything come in, huh? Yeah, surprisingly, our most growth has been during COVID. Mm. Um, so we had a kind of slow start initially. I mean, I was brand new to scaling an agency. I mean, Vaxa as a whole is only six months old at this point. So we're we, we officially launched January 2020, really more for tax purposes than anything. So we incorporated, had our first official sale on January 1st. And then we, you know, had a little bit of slow traction. We kind of were looking for ourselves as a company, trying to figure out where we wanted to play. Uh, we knew that we wanted to do video, but we weren't sure what else we wanted to do. So the, the whole media buying and strategy component kind of fell into our lap as, as an opportunity. You know, I, I came from a consulting background, which we'll talk about, but I, I've always had a knack for strategy. I've always loved the strategy portion of things. And that's when all of a sudden I realized that clients also had no idea what to do with videos. And that's mm -hmm. kind of when we took a shift. And as soon as we took that shift and going from $1,000 cheap e-commerce videos to 5000 to $10,000 a month retainer packages, 
that's, I feel like when the, the business really started to blow up. And I mean, now we're, you know, nearing 30,000 a month in recurring revenue and continuing to scale. And I think, um, again, that's only been within the last three months, which has been within the peak of COVID. So I think, honestly, it's been easier to get in, in front of stakeholders and gatekeepers. Everyone's working from home right now. It's a lot mm. easier to set up a quick Zoom call with a CEO than it was, you know, six months ago. So now I think, honestly, it's, it's worked in our favor and we're, we're definitely very grateful for it. Yeah. Now, it's interesting about the, uh, I guess, the gatekeepers. Like, it's probably easier yeah. to get a hold of people you're actually trying to reach out to now. Yeah. I mean, it's as simple as, like, doing enough stalking and emailing on LinkedIn yeah. and, and you can get a lot of conversations happening. More yeah. people are on social media these days. You can, mm. you know, slide in some DMs of some CEOs and just hope they'll, they'll take a quick call with you. And I, I've never done the sales side before, so it's always been a... a it's always been kind of something I was scared to, to learn uh, because it's definitely daunting. But I think over these last six months, I've learned so much that I was not expecting about the world of B2B sales and mm. just like how to do demos and meetings and, and like trying different tactics to, to grab someone's attention. So it's been a lot of growth um, and I'm very, very thankful for it. Yeah, no doubt. And you like that goes back to the point that you actually learn by doing, actually learn by, you know, getting in the weeds rather than just sitting there researching. It sounds like you obviously kind of jumped in right there, right? Eh? Yeah, we, we jumped right in. I mean, I, I had no clue what I was doing at first other than I knew that I was good at strategy. I knew that I loved e-commerce. I knew that I was, you know, pretty decent at videos, but I, mm. you know, immediately went out to hire someone who was better at videos than I was just so I could then, you know, focus on the growth side of the business and, and step in into something I was less comfortable with, which was the sales side and really doing our business development, I think has helped us get to that next level. I mean, I would love to bring in a full-time salesperson at some point here, but I just think that we, we need a little bit more before we get to that point. And honestly, yeah. it's a great experience for me. I've, I've learned so much about the world of sales that I was not expecting. <laughs> it's uh, and, and that's what I do in the eight yeah. to five. It, man, it's crazy. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's I like, know. I don't know how you do it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Keeps you young, though. That's a good thing. Yeah. Um, so, look, you've uh, you've started multiple companies. I mean, what was it? Seven profitable companies, at least. And you're, you know, under 30 years old. You know, obviously, there's there's quite the story there. So, uh, you know, I've heard your introduction and everything. If you could just kind of let the listeners know, I'd love for you just to take it over from there. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I've, you know, yeah, started maybe seven profitable companies, but I would say probably at least double that have not worked. Like yeah. I'd call them experiments, but before I would call them companies. But um, you know, going all the way back to even the middle school days, like before I even got to high school, I was, I don't know, I think I was in my kitchen one day and I was messing around and I made some gummy bears covered in chocolate by just melting a Hershey's bar. And I realized, okay, these taste really good. I like was just experimenting in the kitchen. And then, and then I, I had the idea of what if I took these to school with me and like started to flip these like little chocolate covered gummy bears. Um, so I did, I, instead of like selling the typical like Reese's and Snickers, I, I would melt chocolate every day. got into like, on, got on eBay at the time, bought myself a little chocolate making machine that had like a little miniature conveyor belt in it. And, uh, Long story short, like started selling these gummy bears at school. Fast forward a couple of years, I was in high school, realized that again, you know, people were hungry during the day. Kids were hungry. They had this problem. They didn't want to buy candy. They wanted something a little more healthy. I also grew up in a pretty rural area of West Palm Beach. Mm. Um, so down there, beef jerky was a big thing. I mean, who doesn't love beef jerky? <laughs> so I learned how to go out and make beef jerky. So for one, I could save myself money buying beef jerky every day. Um, so I basically was able to take this beef jerky company use that to kind of fund, fund my next company, which was a car audio company, uh, was installing and building custom subwoofer installs down in Palm Beach for, you know, rappers and stuff down there too. So we got to, to meet some pretty cool people, went to go do some like music video shoots and brought some of our like subwoofer builds that we built for them. 
uh, really awesome. And, you know, a couple other companies, I had a video production company in high school and they all kind of just added to the previous one. I learned a lot from the first one that would help me get to the second one, the third one. Finally, the fourth one, which was the one that really hit for us was, I don't know how to describe it, but basically PC grow boxes. So think of like a gaming computer tower that inside of it, it has like lights and a cooling system where you could grow a plant inside of what looks like a computer tower. Wow. Um, so whatever you want to use that for, not my problem. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But again, granted, this was back in 2009. So this was before things uh, were more legalized around the country. Things yeah. were a little more taboo. Things had to be a little more secretive. Um, so I actually just made one for myself. I've always been a tinkerer. I've always loved to build things and cir- like build circuits and wire things. Um, so I made one for myself, made a video of it, put it on YouTube. YouTube video ended up getting like 500,000 views on it. Um, people were DMing me back in the days where you could DM on YouTube and saying, hey, where can I buy one of these? Like, I'm super interested. Uh, that ended up turning into a, a very profitable business where we were pumping out multiple cases a week. Um, I hired two employees, was paying them in cash to go build these cases for me. Um, we were shipping them out, you know, across the world. I had a couple in Europe that we were shipping out. I actually didn't, I didn't do any sales locally. There, this was my first e-commerce venture back in like 2009. Um, so I built it on like GoDaddy's storefront. It was like the, probably the shittiest looking site, like going to look back at it these days. Um, but it worked. And that single YouTube video that I'd made showing off my case is what drove almost all of the sales from that. Um, so I, I, I almost made enough from that to pay for college on my own. I mean, my parents, they were... You know, my mom was a bookkeeper and my dad was a carpenter, so didn't really come from a lot of family money. And, and that was probably part of the motivation why I knew if I wanted to build wealth one day and I wanted to have generational wealth to my name, I was going to have to do it myself. It wasn't mm. going to just be handed in my lap, didn't have a trust fund, didn't even have a college fund set up. So I was going to have to take out student loans anywhere I went. I mean, I, I was like... <laughs> so close to just going to community college just for the sake of saving money because I was like stressing about how I'd pay for college. Um, and then these companies started to hit. Fortunately, I had the money where I felt more comfortable, ended up going to University of Florida, studying finance there. And uh, the rest is history, I guess, and kind of have had the entrepreneurial bug ever since. Yeah. <laughs> all, and it all started, what, with the chocolate gummy bears? Yeah, chocolate gummy bears. And I mean, a handful of other random things. <laughs> I mean, probably even before that, I had the, like this, I wouldn't call it a company, but I was like building or sewing. I taught myself how to sew. And I was sewing clothes for my sister and her friends, Build-A-Bear bears. Um, so like everyone had those Build-A-Bears back in the day, like when they were young, young kids. So I was like going to Joanne Fabrics, buying fabrics and like sewing little t-shirts and like custom designs for these like kids and selling them for like five to 10 bucks. Um, so it all kind of just got me hooked from there on the idea that you don't necessarily have to go work a corporate job for the rest of your life. I mean, I, I did go work a corporate job for a while, but I've always known that there's something else out there that I can be doing to make more money than, you know, the opportunity mm. right in front of me. Um, and I think that was kind of just instilled from an early age. Like, hey, if you, if you want something bad enough, you want to go build wealth for yourself, you're going to have to do it yourself. Yeah, no doubt. And then, like you mentioned, you came to a realization of uh, generational wealth, right? That you needed to go out and get that on your own. Like, what was kind of the turning point where you realized hey, if I want this quote-unquote successful life, I'm going to have to go make it happen. And then once you had that turning point, what kind of steps did you take from there just to start creating that? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to go to Florida and through that was able to land uh, a, a pretty decent job. I mean, it was, it was a low-paying compared to now job. I think I was making like 55000 a year straight out of college, so nothing, nothing too crazy. But 
that was awesome. But I also looked around and I saw, you know, friends of mine who were 22, 23 that had started successfully commerce companies in college. Mm. And they were out there making, you know, 200,000 a year, 300,000 a year at 22, 23. Um, and I think I just, it just hit me a little bit, a little bit harder that, okay, I was on this very awesome corporate path where I could probably stay in the corporate world and work in consulting and, and take that route forever if I wanted to and probably be pretty successful. But it's definitely a delayed gratification curve mm. where all of that happiness derived by like real money that I thought I was going to get was not going to come until I was probably 40 or 50. Like I was not going to be making that, you know, four or $500,000 a year paycheck until I was in my 40s, 50s, 60s. And by that point, I mean, what's the point of making that much money if you can't go do something fun with it? So just had the realization that, okay, this is cool that I have a nice little steady paycheck right now. But if I really want to achieve this idea of generational wealth and really want to break out of this typical path where everyone works a corporate job for 30, 40 years, you know, retires, gets their name on a PowerPoint slide saying, hey, <laughs> thank you for your service. So 30 years later, maybe you get a paperweight or something for your desk and then like you retire and everyone forgets about you. Didn't really want that to be my path and realized that if I wanted to break off that path, I had to do something. I didn't have to go mm -hmm. quit my job that day and go, you know, you know, start a company from scratch and drive myself into debt and be broke. But I realized I had to start small and just start somewhere, which was starting um, my first company, which actually was a failure straight out of college, which was an agency as well. Um, and that actually just did not work. I mean, I had zero experience in the agency world. Again, I was a fresh finance graduate. I knew numbers really well, but I had no network when it came to e like e-commerce or online businesses, which was kind of the niche I was going after at the time. Um, and I just didn't know anything about sales. I wasn't quite as motivated. I mean, at 22 out of college, like everything was derived around like going out, having fun, drinking with yeah. your friends. I just really didn't have the right mindset to start a company right then. Um, so I'm not afraid to admit that it was like a complete failure. I just didn't put in the hours, didn't put in the time to it. Um, had a couple fun gigs doing copywriting. I, I worked on it with one of my best friends, Alex, and you know, the two of us. Uh, really put in some effort to it, but certainly not enough. And we just, again, weren't in the right mindset to grow a company right then and there. And so that ended up being a, a failure basically. But, you know, doesn't mean that immediately, like the next week after, I just took the next idea in my backlog and I was like, okay, this didn't work. Really wasn't cut out for like a content copywriting kind of agency. Again, we we're doing like blog posts and that kind of stuff. Also wasn't something I was super passionate about. So that uh, just kind of led to, you know, us not being fully invested in it and, you know, started another couple companies after that. Yeah, that's that's crazy that you bring that up because something that you touched on was how you started a couple video production type agencies even when you were younger. Mm -hmm. And I feel like from the outside looking in, you're obviously looking at your company now, the, the average Joe's like, hey, maybe I should go start this. But then they don't realize that you had so much work on the back end uh, that people don't even see to, that got you to the point where you are now. So I think that's yeah. super interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely not to be underestimated. I think that I finally was in a great mindset when I started this company. I was, you know, I, I had the you know opportunity to work in a six figure salary job for a couple of years now, which has given me that kind of safety net in, in a way, if you will. But I, again, knew that it was still going to take a lot of man hours, a lot of sweat equity. I could only do so much with the cash I had saved. I, I didn't mm. want to burn all my cash up. So the only way to get this current company off the ground is to put in a lot of sweat equity and to, you know, not go out all the time, not have that same mindset I had when I was 22, where every weekend I need to be at a bar both nights a week and trying to meet people, yeah. and make friends and rip tequila shots at 2 a.m. and be hungover the next day. Um, I mean, those days were awesome when they when they happened, but 
certainly not conducive to like really scaling a profitable, legitimate company. And, you know, that's what we want to do with our firm now. So I definitely think the mindset shift helped a lot. But yeah, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes when you're first getting started that, you know, it, it just takes going out there and doing. So, you know, emailing, you know, five people a day, 10 people a day, sending out 20 connection requests a day. Like it just takes that consistent, repeated sweat equity. And maybe there's a system in place ideally to do that, but it still takes you doing the work to some degree. Like you're going to know your company the best. You're going to know your services the best. So until you can get to the point to hire somebody that's very skilled to take over that role, like you kind of do have to do it yourself. I mean, I put in countless, probably 20 to 30 hours a week of time outside my day job when I was first getting started just to get this company off the ground and probably didn't get my first sale till at least four to six weeks after that. So, I mean, I, I coded our WordPress site myself. I had zero coding experience, but I just wanted to go in there and do it and learn how WordPress worked. Uh, and I, I think doing those experiences, building those systems, drafting your email drip sequences, all of those things are are definitely critical parts to do yourself up front, just so you know that when you go to hire somebody, you kind of know what to hand off to them. Mm, yeah, and actually diving into the weeds and, and learning the ropes. Exactly. So what was it like? Because you said, you know, you taught yourself all these different avenues. I mean, you just mentioned WordPress, taught yourself how to sew as well for the <laughs> as first companies. Like how did you dive in and just start teaching yourself? Because that's one thing I struggle with whenever I'm trying to learn something new. I realize like, I mean, you search, you know, coding and there's 500 million results. So like, how do you just hone in and start learning with all that? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a delicate balance because there's obviously something to be said about courses and online courses and books and all of that. It's going to give you that good foundational knowledge. But what I've come to realize is sometimes I, I spend way too much time learning courses and watching YouTube videos and reading blog posts and reading Reddit posts. And I can spend, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours, like just really trying to hone in on something I want to learn. Problem is though, by the time I go to actually execute that, I've probably forgotten the first half of what I was like sitting there learning for when I'm super ADD. So like things just go in one ear out the other sometimes. Um, so what I've learned is a better way for me to learn is just to, to kind of get the foundation, just like that minimum set of skills and then just jump right into it. Like with the WordPress mm. site, I, I, you know, I try to watch a couple of YouTube videos to get the basics down. Um, and then I just said, screw it. Like I just need to jump in there and start doing it. And then I've kind of just adopted that same mentality to really anything else I try to learn now. So if it's, you know, learning after effects was a video editing tool that, you know, I, I really wanted to learn. That was a couple of years ago, really wanted to hone in on the animation side of video and all that. And it was not something I'd previously done. I'd always, you know, used Adobe Premiere and all these other programs. After Effects was always kind of scary to me, so I you know, watched a couple courses on it. It was like, okay, I think I know the foundation, but realistically, you, you don't know how well you know the foundation of something until you just go do it. That same technique you know, applies to sales and really mm. anything else. You just have to go do it, and you're going to learn so much from your initial failures and you know things that really frustrate you and bug you. Then, like, if I get stuck on something, I'll then go watch a YouTube video and fix that little roadblock and then continue on just experimenting. So that's kind of been my, my approach to learning. Yeah, no, absolutely. I like that a lot because I think I think instead of trying to just learn, you know, 20 hours worth of things, you're kind of taking it bit by bit, piece by piece, absorbing some information, then moving on to the next thing and actually learning again by doing, learning by failing and everything. So. Yeah, and it's important to break down your big objective into just measurable, like smaller steps as well. Like you can have the idea to go launch a website. Well, you know, there's 50,000 things involved in launching a website. Like you have securing your domain and getting your email set up and, and all the webmaster stuff, which people don't realize is a thing. And 
I think it's important when you're first getting started, whether it's an idea or a big project you have, whatever it is, like break that down into like weekly milestones that you can hit and then break those weekly milestones down into daily milestones. Uh, and that just allows you to have like a specific task to focus on versus this massive daunting task of let me go launch a website. I mean, that sounds terrifying. If I, even now knowing the knowledge I have, I still don't want to go launch a website. There's so much involved in that. So I think breaking it down into, you know, a series of processes or systems or objectives and then, you know, subtasks under those, you know, using some sort of project manager software like a Asana or Trello or, you know, ClickUp, whatever your like poison is, um, use something so you can break down those objectives into something measurable, trackable with checkboxes, you know, make it easy on yourself. Like if you have this massive daunting task ahead of you, you're going to scare yourself away from starting it every day versus if you say, okay, First step to, to launching my website is just going to buy the domain name. Like that's an easy, actionable step. Okay, bought the domain. What's next? Well, now I'm going to go get a hosting plan. Okay, got the hosting plan. What's next? Now I'm going to set up email and just make it a day-by-day system where you're slowly chipping away at the iceberg till finally you look back and you said, shit, it's been 90 days and now I have a website. Like it's just like that slow progress will, will make it so you don't kill yourself in the first like couple of weeks trying to do something. Yeah, no, and I feel like, we talked about this the other day, I think, I feel like people get caught in uh, analysis paralysis, you know, it's like, what, what, do you have any advice there to just get out of that? Oh man, I'm probably the worst person for that because I I get into analysis paralysis hardcore sometimes, Um, but you know, I've learned again, like you just have to pull the trigger. And I think like with me, especially now, there's an opportunity cost associated with every hour of my time. So Mm -hmm. I, I know, for example, roughly now I calculate my time at a hundred dollars an hour. So if I spend six hours researching something that is only going to save me a hundred bucks, well, technically I just cost myself 600 bucks to save a hundred dollars between like something that was good and something that was slightly better might as well just buy the slightly better thing if I'm really that much on the fence, save myself the six hours of time I was going to spend watching YouTube videos comparing the two. And instantly now that time can be utilized to go out and, you know, focus on other revenue generating activities. So, I mean, there, there are certain things that obviously you need to do a little bit more research on bigger purchases, buying a car, buying a camera in my case is like something I spend a lot of time yeah. with, but for the everyday decisions, if it's less than, you know, now I tell myself if it's less than a hundred dollars, like I'm just going to try it. Like, I'm not going to go out, spend hours researching something. I'll try it for a month. Worst case, I lose a hundred bucks. Next month, I try something else. Um, And just kind of saying like, hey, let's just trust the process. Trust that whatever I'm buying was built well, put together well. It's going to do the trick for now. And if it doesn't, then next month, I'll do something else. And, you know, eventually it'll just crack for you versus getting in this like massive compare to tinnitus analysis paralysis type mindset where you're just spending so much time looking between things, but not actually doing anything. Yeah. I think it's like analysis paralysis is almost like a procrastination tool subconsciously, like for not wanting to start something. Yeah. And then, and then you're like, oh, I'm doing all this work, but I'm sitting here on YouTube for six hours, but then you look. And you're like, what did I actually accomplish besides, you know, six hours of YouTube history? Yeah, God, I don't even want to know. I actually got a tool recently called Toggle. Um, I don't Mm. know if you've heard of Toggle. It's T-O-G-G-L. So no E at the end. Um, But basically it allows you to, it's a Chrome extension as well. You can log every hour of your day basically and have like tags associated with it or whatever. So especially for client work, I do that. But now I've even started locking just like my time on Reddit or time on Facebook. And basically every single day, it just totals up your number of hours um, that you've spent on a certain task. So if I was researching something, now I would make a toggle task where I just like really tracked the amount of research time I had. 
So then I can look back and say, okay, I've spent, you know, 13 hours researching something. Now I need it to move on to something else. So um, holding yourself accountable, I think is, is key as well. Yeah. I'm laughing right now because you're literally the master of <laughs> like just personal softwares. I mean, <laughs> oh man, you don't even want to get me started no. when, we, when we talk about like uh, the, the amount of money I've spent on like AppSumo recently. I don't know if you've heard of AppSumo, yeah. but uh yeah, it's just like lifetime deals. Highly recommend checking them out from time to time, but I've probably spent like 1500 bucks on the last month on AppSumo just buying softwares to, to do random things. And that's almost as bad as analysis paralysis in a way where sometimes you think that, that this software is definitely going to solve your problem um, when realistically you could do it on your own for probably free or cheaper. And I don't know. I, I definitely am a fan of automating things when possible and using tools to make your life easier. Um, but again, it's a fine line of like, did I really just need to buy like this lifetime deal on this? Like, um, I don't know, something stupid. I, I, there's so many of them that I haven't like, yeah. used that I've bought, but I do love my software. It's like, I, I think that it can certainly help automate parts of your life, but you know, take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I need to take your advice on that. I sent you the uh, screenshot of my notes folder there. Yeah. It's like 40 things. God, that gave me, uh, it gave me anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. Definitely got to get yourself on Trello or Notion or something like that. Yeah, no doubt. And just really like harping on your point of breaking down things week by week. I mean, that goes back to what I'm doing with sales. I mean, obviously you have a sales goal, a sales quota, mm-hmm. and just like anything else in life, breaking that down and saying, you know, I have to do 500,000 in, in a year. What's that per month? What's that yeah. per week? was that per day and just to any entrepreneurs out there like start breaking everything down week by week like that 100 i mean it's such a good approach to anything whether it's hours you need to break down week by week that you need to put into something to get better like trying to go after the ten thousand hours of mastery rule mm. or if it's like a revenue goal like i i do that now at the beginning of every single year i say okay how much money do I want to make from this business and this business and this business? And I'll take each of my couple companies I have running now and I'll say, okay, that equates to this much per per month or quarter, that much per month, that much per week, that much per day. And then it becomes a lot more attainable when you say, okay, I only need to make $50 a day to hit this revenue goal. That's totally doable if I do XYZ task. And then you can kind of form your habits and your objectives around those revenue goals. So, okay, what habit can I get into today that's going to help me reach $50 a day in revenue? Um, and then from there, that's going to then in turn help you hit your objective. Yeah, no, and like we'll touch on this a little bit later, but yeah. I mean, habits, oh my gosh, like they're <laughs> so important at the uh, end of the I'm day. I'm such a big proponent of them, and yeah, we'll, we'll touch on it later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could go, we could do a whole separate episode on that. Yeah. Um, but so what was it like, and, and you touched on this a little bit, um, of, you know, doing the consulting, but also running a startup. I mean, consulting by itself is crazy. Um, obviously growing a startup is crazy. And then you also mentioned you still were able to get seven hours of sleep a night. So like, can you touch on all that? I mean, that's so many learning lessons with that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Consulting by itself, management consulting specifically is, uh, chaotic. It's crazy. Every single week we were on a plane to a new client site Uh, You know, whether that was New York, San Francisco, you know, I had a project I was getting prepped for in Hong Kong, one in Australia. So there's, you could literally be across the world at any point in time. So you are living on a plane and you're living in hotel rooms, then you take a little vacation back to your hometown every weekend. Um, And that's kind of how I, how I viewed it. Um, So it was definitely difficult to get in the groove of things. I I certainly put a pause on kind of the side hustles when I first got into consulting because I really wanted to focus on building the relationships and the career path, which I think is important to any job. But once you're in that groove and you say, okay, now I know what's expected of me. Now I know, you know, what I need to do on a daily basis that's going to, you know, these are the things that are going to use my energy. These are the things that are going to take my energy away. 
cut out the things that are going to take your energy away and start to replace them with like side hustle related things. So mm. Instead of watching Netflix at night in my hotel room, I would start to do something for the side hustle and write an hour long, you know, blog post or something like that. Um, so I think that it definitely comes down to just having diligence and keeping yourself accountable. So for example, you know, we were spending all day at the client site. I, you know, would get to the client eight or nine in the morning. I would leave the client site at their office probably six o'clock at night, seven o'clock at night, sometimes much later than that. Um, so I, I really could not do anything during the day. So I knew that if I, mm. if I wanted to get something done, it had to be outside those hours. So I would always, no matter what, grab some quick like to-go food on my way back to the hotel power that down in like 20, 20 minutes or so, get myself in a good mindset before I started working because I think that's important. Like you don't want to go straight from work to eating to work to like mm. burning yourself out every day. So I would do like 20 minutes of quick exercising. I would do maybe like 10 minutes of, of meditation using like the Calm app and just kind of get myself in a good headspace. Um, maybe just like listening to some classical music with some like headphones on laying in my bed, like whatever it kind of took to just for, for 30 minutes, get myself out of the work mode and, and let my brain have a little break. I feel like that mm. was super important. But then after that, I was kind of refreshed. You know, I had some food in me and I was like, okay, it's time to grind. Like I, I have to grind for the next three hours and do something. Um, and three hours doesn't seem like a lot, but three hours consistently every day is certainly measurable progress. Um, so I would put in, you know, whatever work needed to be done, whether that was putting together briefs or, you know, at, at the time I, I hadn't launched this current creative agency, but I was working on a, a couple other side hustles. I had a drone company. I was um, doing an online course, a couple online courses. I had a blog. So a lot of, a lot of random things that I was working on. Um, so every day I kind of had dedicated to a different thing. So I think it's important. Uh, one of my early learnings was, don't try to like do six things within three hours because you're never going to get into a state of deep work. Um, mm -hmm. There's a really great book called uh, Deep Work by Hal Elrod um, that talks about that specifically. But basically, you want to give yourself like a focus that you can do for three to four hours at a time versus like half an hour at a time. So I would have like, okay, Monday is going to be my like writing day. All I'm going to do is write blog posts for the next like three hours. Tuesday, I'm going to, you know, reach out to clients. Wednesday, I'm going to make video content, whatever, whatever that was. Um, getting into that system where every single day after work, I kind of knew what I was supposed to do for that day, whether it was client outreach or content or whatever it was, working on the site. Um, that allowed me to just have a system and it kind of trained my mind that, okay, it's Monday, I'm going to go do content now. Um, and similarly, in the mornings, I would try to just catch up on like emails for the side hustles. Like I would try to have, you know, 6 to 7 a.m. just be focused on responding to emails. Um, and this all kind of boils up to the idea of time blocking as well, which I think was super helpful uh, in those days, because I would basically say, okay, in my Google calendar, like it is literally blocked off for three hours from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. is going to be for, you know, content creation. And I would have a, an event in Google calendar saying content creation, market is busy, so nothing else can be, can be scheduled in that time. And I would do that. And mm -hmm. every single day I would have something else blocked in my calendar on a recurring weekly event so that nothing else could be scheduled in that time. Um, and that worked really well. I mean, I think it, it kept me accountable. I would get a notification on my phone saying, hey, in 30 minutes, it's time for content creation. And that just held me and eventually build that habit that, okay, every day I eat, I get home from work, and now it, my mind is just trained to go into whatever that task is for the night. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I can, I can just picture you, you know, at a client site with, with some of your colleagues, like, Justin, come out for drinks, and you're like, content creation, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's also on that same note, very important to, like, schedule time for fun, because yeah. you don't want to burn yourself out, and there is value in building those relationships. So I, I certainly wouldn't work myself every single week, week after week, every single day doing the exact same thing. I, 
I would make exceptions, but I would right. make up for it the next week and say, okay, I, I just know for a fact I'm going to allow myself to go to this happy hour with the clients on Wednesday, and that's totally fine. So I think it's definitely important to schedule fun. Like you you got to, you know, focus on like now, I, for example, I have a girlfriend, I know you, you have a fiance and like, yeah. it's, it's important to, to give them time too. And your dog, I have a dog and like, I want to make sure she's like entertained and ran. So you, you can't schedule out every aspect of your life. Like you can do that to some degree. I mean, I, a couple times have scheduled in like hang out with Amanda in my Google calendar. She got pissed. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, why'd you schedule me in your calendar? Um, so I don't do that anymore, but <laughs> I, uh, I think it is important to make those time blocks for the time that you do want to get something done because otherwise it's just not going to get done. It's going to sit in a to-do list forever. So every day, every week I take my to-do list and I, I throw it into Google calendar and mm. I block off the time literally to, to, so I have no excuse, but to, to do that. So um, I think it's been super helpful, and, and the the idea of time blocking has as as a whole definitely like changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah, no, time blocking is key. And then, do you? I, I sometimes do this. I put the you know, let's say it's podcast, and I'll put like five bullet points in that just in that calendar invite of things I want to get done. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. Whatever the system is that works for you. Like same thing when I like I use Trello for all my to dos, so I have like a. A list on my personal board for like today's to do's, this week's to do's, uh, next week's to do's, personal backlog, which is everything mm. else. And then within that, you know, every every card has a priority drop down. So every card will say, okay, what is the priority? High, medium, low. What's the time commitment on this? High, medium, low. So if it was like less than 30 minutes, it would be a low. Medium would be like an hour. Large would be like over a couple hours. Um, and then every single day I just, I built a button in Trello that I click and it automatically prioritizes things on those lists so that the highest priority, lowest time commitment stuff is at the top. So I kind of get the low hanging fruit of the high priorities mm. and then I kind of just work my way down through it. So, okay, I'll get the, you know, low time, high priority thing first, then the medium time, high priority thing all the way down to like the lowest priority, highest time would be at the very bottom because like if I don't need to do that and it's going to be hard, I should definitely have it at the bottom. Um, but then within those cards, I'll have like the little sub bullets of, okay, here's the other things I need to do. And then when I go to block that out in Google Calendar, I'll just copy that in, like you said. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. How, there you go, back to the apps again. Yeah. <laughs> um, how, how do you separate, you know, being busy versus being productive, would you say? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, it's it's a constant battle of like reassessing yourself of like, okay, is this truly an activity that's going to drive results? And I think like that's when like the 80-20 principle is important to, to, to take into consideration. So, you know, what 20% of things can I do that are going to drive 80% of results versus what are those 80% of things I'm doing that are only driving 20% of results? Like, having that shift where you're literally saying, okay, I know that I've done these things this week and these take 20% of my effort, but these actually drove 80% of my results. Well, now you can go double down on those and make those 40% of your, your week. And theoretically that should produce 160 times results of the last week. So, um, that's a principle that's helped a lot, like just constantly reassessing what I'm doing on a day-to-day hab- like habits basis as well. Like what habits am I doing? that are truly driving results in my life. Like sure, I can have a habit of like reaching out to somebody on LinkedIn and sending them a message, but if my template's not working and I'm spending, you know, 80% of my day reaching out to people on LinkedIn, then, and it's only driving a little bit of results, then clearly something needs to change there. So mm. um, I think just constantly doing a self-awareness, self, self-assessment of what are those things you're doing on a daily basis? 
that is it truly busy work or is it productive work? Um, and I think a, a great book on that is Essentialism. There's a great book called Essentialism that talks all about like, okay, is what you're doing truly essential to driving your life forward, to driving your business forward? Really gets into how to say no to people because I think that's important. Like, again, opportunity cost comes into play. Everything you say yes to is now saying no to something else that could have happened during that time, saying no to that client that could have been a better client for you. So even at Vaxa, we've been super selective about the clients we take on because Mm -hmm. if we take on the wrong client, well, that's still eating up our time. Like we're still going to have to go service that client. But if, you know, they're not a good fit for us and we could tell there was going to be some problems from the start, well, we're not going to drive good results for them. That's in turn not going to keep a long lasting relationship with them. And ultimately, it's just going to waste everyone's time. So being very diligent from the get go, where we only now work with companies that we're very confident that we're going to achieve results for, because if we don't, then that just filled one of our client slots with somebody that could have been a much better client. Yeah. And, and actually evaluating is taking this client going to move me or my business forward for sure yeah because there's there's clients that won't and there's clients yeah. that will come down to you and same thing with like a, a product there's customers and a customer type that you don't want to go after because they're mm. just not going to become long like lifelong customers so i think that's important even like with any business to, to define like what are your customer archetypes like what's mm. your ideal persona for the person you're going after and are they someone that I want to have buy my products or service? And what does that customer journey look like? And what does the lifetime value associated with that person look like? Um, I think that's it's important to do for any business or venture. Yeah, no, absolutely. What, what would you say? And then I want to kind of touch on more of the habits and, and yeah. mindset piece a little bit. With your experience with management consulting, I know you worked with a lot of high profile clients. I mean, what would you say like your biggest learning lesson from a business perspective was during that time? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I would say that at the end of the day, everyone is a person. Mm-hmm. Like even these, I mean, we were working with executives from Fortune Fortune 100 companies going in and sitting in their office, talking to the C-suite, um, guiding them on how to run their business. And basically they, they had a problem they hired us to come solve. It was not cheap for us to come in and solve it. I mean, even my rate was two twenty five an hour for a client to uh, to come in and, and talk to us. So uh, we we had to take this approach of, okay, what what are we here for? Like this person has a, a very specific way they're looking at us. Um, they see us as like an enemy coming in sometimes. All their coworkers see, see us as an enemy. So I think hmm. um, learning that everyone's a person, everyone has some objectives, and you can just talk to somebody, whether they're the lowest person at the company or the highest person at the company, talk to them with the same level as like, hey, we're just a person trying to hang out, trying to get to know each other, um, trying to learn from each other. And I think that was super important. So not being like scared to you know, go sit in a room and talk to a CEO. Like he's just a normal dude at the end of the day, like who has a, you know, a wife and kids at home or if it's a woman, you know, she's got a husband and kids at home or who knows, whatever, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? But like, they've got just a normal life, like all of us. And ultimately like they're just there to, they, they clearly trusted you to be in the room with them. They want to learn from you. So don't like be scared to go give a big presentation or to go like, you know, introduce yourself to the, the top person at a company. Um, like I would go up and shake the hands of the CMOs and COOs and COOs and, and, and ask them like, hey, what's bothering you? Or, um, you know, how's your day going? You know, what's your favorite drink? We'd get into talking about like bourbons we liked. And just like, I don't know, I've always kind of been a, a talker. So I'll just go down these like random, random little small talks. But I think like learning that everyone's a person, everyone is just there to, to, you know, 
advance their own objectives, uh, whether they're, again, the CEO or whether they're the person at the bottom of the company. Um, you know, just talk to people, find out what they like, find out what their interests are and like build a good relationship. I think biggest takeaway was like relationships are, are everything. Like find your find your key kind of gatekeeper, build a good relationship with them and, and they're going to help introduce you to so many more people. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's amazing. That's probably a lot of learning lessons all in one there. Yeah, I don't know. I probably went off on a tangent there, but <laughs> yeah. there's so many learnings from consulting, but uh, yeah, it was great. I, I think to your point there, just about, you know, um, incorporating with the, with the C-suite, um, you know, I'm fortunate that in my mm-hmm. role, I, I'm blessed to do the same thing. And it's so crazy. Like, it seems like we've both came to a realization that these people are just people at the end of the day. You know, I was nervous first going in, but then you realize like, wait, they have kids. They have, you know, they like to go on the lake too, or they drink a beer too. Like, yeah. I feel like it's, it's easy to put those individuals on a pedestal. And at the end of the day, they're, they're more like you than you think. Exactly. And never really like being scared to reach out to somebody on LinkedIn or through an email. Like I, at one of my previous firm before, before my last one, I um, had reached out to like one of the most senior people at the firm. He wasn't the CEO, but he was right under, he reported to the CEO. Mm. Uh, and this was a you know couple hundred thousand person consulting firm. Um, and I saw him on LinkedIn. I, I reached out to him. I noticed, I think on LinkedIn that we had the same birthday. So I was like, hey man, I noticed we had the same birthday. Um, I, I'm like a super low level at you know so-and-so, but I uh, would love to, to chat some time and hear about your journey, like becoming upper, upper leadership uh, at, at Accenture and sure enough, like got back to me, was able to, uh, build a really good relationship with him. And then I replicated the same thing with an, another woman who was one of our, our chief executives. She led the retail strategy practice at Accenture. I think I shot her an email one day. She was, she was on a, um, a webinar or something internally that I'd listened to. And I emailed her afterwards. I was like, Hey, I loved your points on this. This was awesome. And again, she was very close to CEO, like C-suite level emailed her, probably went to EA, I think first, but anyway, somehow got into her inbox and she emailed me back and was like, Oh, thank you so much. We'd love to hear about like what you're working on, where you see like pain points coming from the bottom of our firm. Mm. Um, we hopped on a call, ended up out of that call. Like it was supposed to be a 20 minute call. We talked for an hour and a half, um, had such a good conversation. And then from that ended up mentoring her son, like through college and just turned into like a beautiful relationship. And through her was able to get introductions all across the firm. And it just turned out to be, um, awesome. And just from that one initial email, like not being scared to reach out to somebody again, she's just a person at the end of the day. She has like a, a son who's like struggling in college and needed some direction and, so I think that's like such a good takeaway. It's like, don't be scared to reach out to somebody. Everyone just wants to, ch- to chat about their problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's so true. That's so cool that that all started just from a relationship. And then, you know, you were able to just give back at the end of the day by providing some mentorship, which is huge. Yeah, it's awesome. Totally. It's awesome. Well, so what would you have to say? Like, we, we kind of low-key touched on habits a little bit. So would you mind kind of like, you know, sharing a little bit of your day, you know, how, how you keep up with the physical side, the mentality side, career, and the side hustles? I'm sure there's a lot of learning lessons mixed in there. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's it's an ongoing process, an yep. ongoing system. There's never going to be one system of habits that works for somebody. So most recently, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about my current kick. So I read Atomic Habits, um, by James Clear a couple of weeks ago, finished it without a doubt. One of the most life-changing books I've read when it comes to just productivity and, and business and all of that, highly recommend everyone read it. But from that was able to gather a very systematic approach to building habits and how you can take your existing habits and stack the new ones on top of it. So if your habit is to start flossing every day, for example, 
every time you brush your teeth, as soon as brushing your teeth ends, you know to go pick up a flosser and start flossing your teeth. All of a sudden now you're just building on an existing habit you had. So I think Mm. um, that book just taught a very systematic approach to building your habits, whether that was building new good habits or breaking existing bad habits um, through a series of very actionable steps. I, I just learned so much from that book. Um, and I think everyone should, should go pick up a copy. But I think the biggest takeaway from that was just, again, some sort of system of accountability uh, so that you can look back and say, OK, I know that I have done this habit for you know 30 days straight. Now I'm going to give myself a reward for doing that. I mean, we're intrinsically motivated by rewards, whether that's monetary rewards, cash rewards, trips, you know, extra time to yourself, whatever that is, vacation. Humans are, are definitely motivated by rewards. So finding a way to reward yourself when you do stick with your habits for 14 days, 28 days, 30 days, whatever it is, giving yourself a you know $100 Amazon spending spree to go just buy some dumb shit that you wanted for a yeah. while, like go, <laughs> go do it. And then similarly, like for negative habits, having a system where you track it and okay, I just broke my habit for a day. Maybe you give yourself a one day buffer, but if you don't go back by day two, you have to Venmo your best friend a hundred bucks, like something along those lines and have an accountability buddy as well that mm. um, maybe you give them that hundred bucks and, and they're the one holding it. If you don't stick to your habit, they keep that money. I know that like one of my friends, uh, Ashton, he's a personal trainer, mindset coach, Ashton Baylor. Awesome. One of my best friends, he's recently started doing something where he takes 500 bucks from his clients up front as they're training, especially now that things are online and if they break their training and they don't hit their habits or they don't do what they said they were going to do for that week, he keeps their 500 bucks and it's, it's all his. <laughs> wow. Um, and it works because who wants to lose 500 bucks? Yeah. So like find a way to truly punish yourself. I mean, 500 bucks to, you know, Bill Gates is not going to be something, you know, to, it's going to be a drop in a drop of a bucket. So like yeah. find maybe for Bill Gates, it was a hundred million dollars. He's going <laughs> yeah. to donate to a charity if he doesn't um, mm. do something, but you know, find something to punish yourself. I actually just, uh, got something called the Pavlock, which is a little shock, uh, shock, basically a shock collar for your risk for humans. Um, and you like put it on and like, if you do something bad, press a button and it shocks you. Um, so basically like this is a cool little way to, to stop doing negative habits. And basically I, I strap it on my wrist. If I was going to, you know, scroll Instagram for too long one day, I would, you know, realize for one, the biggest thing is realizing you're doing something like yeah. making yourself aware when you're doing something wrong, okay, I'm aware now that I've, I've scrolled Instagram for way too long today, press this button, shock myself, all of a sudden now, just like Pavlov's law, I'm not going to start to scroll Instagram anymore because I'm going to get shocked when I do. Um, so that's a, definitely a good system I picked up. And then on the, on the note of accountability, um, this is for one, not an app for once, but it's, uh, it's something called the Habit Roadmap by Best Self that I've been using. It's basically a... Uh, it's literally a piece of paper that has a bunch of lines in it. Let me see if I have one. Basically a piece of paper, actually have one. So a piece of paper that has a bunch of lines in it. And you literally write down your habits, your weekly habits, your daily habits. And then every single week it has a tiny little checkbox where you can literally check them off. Did I accomplish all my habits? Mm. Here are my weekly targets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like this could be your goals for the week. And these could be the habits that you want to accomplish and then every day you literally keep yourself accountable. And then at the end of, you know, 13 weeks, you can look back and say, wow, like I actually had 13 weeks straight of, of doing this one habit that I told myself I was going to do. 
Um, now I'm going to reward myself with whatever that is. And yeah. at the very least, you just got rewarded by ingraining hopefully a new positive habit in your life. Um, but, you know, give yourself a little spending spree or something too to, to make it extra motivating. So I think that's been my, my latest approach on habits and it's definitely worked pretty well. And building a lot of habits into my morning routine, I think is pretty important. Um, you know, reading every single day is something I do a lot now. Like I minimum read 20 minutes every single morning. Sometimes if I'm really into something, I'll give myself a little extra time. Uh, so doing that, I think, is really awesome. Meditation is something I really wanted to get into. So after I read, I meditate. Again, the idea of habit stacking. So I know I make my coffee in the morning. As soon as I take my first sip of coffee, my brain says, hey, you need to go read. Mm. Now I read for 20 minutes. As soon as I get done reading, my brain says, hey, you need to go meditate. Gets on meditating, my brain says, hey, you need to go stretch now for 20 minutes. So it gets, gets in, again, the concept of habit stacking, which allows your, your brain to just kind of naturally flow through this natural routine. Um, and before you know it, it kind of just becomes an automated thing that you do every single morning. And if you don't do it, you feel like you need to go do it or else your morning is not going to be productive. So doing that all before the day even begins, I feel like has been key for me. And then, um, you know, whatever happens the rest of the day doesn't matter because, uh, because at least I had a productive morning. Yeah, no doubt that, uh, that morning routine is so important because it's, oh my God, it sets the foundation for the entire day. Yeah. And you don't even have to get up like extra early. I think there's, there was a great book I read, um, called the miracle morning, and basically, long story short, you don't have to go read it, but the book basically says just take the time you normally wake up, get yourself trained to wake up an hour earlier, yeah. and then use that hour into six 10-minute chunks to do like six 10-minute things, whether that's 10 minutes of push-ups, 10 minutes of reading, 10 minutes of writing, whatever it is. Like, you don't have to wake up at 4 a.m. to have a morning routine. Like, take what works for you, subtract an hour, train yourself to, to lose an hour of sleep, maybe go to bed an hour earlier so you don't lose the sleep, um, but then you have that morning routine. Like, I... Now I probably wake up 7 a.m. every morning, um, sometimes, you know, 6 a.m. My, my girlfriend's a nurse, so if she's up really early for work. I'll be up at 6 with her, um, and then I, I have my hour, and then I get straight to work. But we're always in bed asleep by, like, 11 p.m., so yeah. I don't have to have, um, you know, a five-hour, like, night of sleep. Like, I'm always getting at least seven and a half hours typically, and I, I use, like, the little iPhone, like, alarm clock where you like turn the little dial. I don't know if you've ever used that before, like yeah. the sleep dial thing. So I always have it set for seven and a half hours and I just turn the sleep time and awake time. Um, so it always stays at seven and a half hours of sleep depending on when I go to bed. Yeah. So with the apps again, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, no, oh man, that's so true. Um, and it's, it's so cool that you're putting sleep, like kind of the, the most important thing. I feel like unfortunately, and I do this too, I, you know, a lot uh, of neglect your sleep. Like, why, what, what made you put that at such a high pedestal there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the, like, in the, the hierarchy of needs. Like, mm. it's, it's definitely, should be at the top. I mean, you have, like, water, shelter, food, and then I think sleep should be in there if it's not already. But just because, I mean, that is the time your body recharges. That is the time your brain recharges. That is the time when you know, things are metabolized and your body, you know, burns calories and it, it, re it basically is like dumping all the toxins out of your body. And there's, there's some great Joe Rogan podcasts on this as well with when he talks like the sleep doctor. If, if you haven't listened to that episode, uh, yeah. very great episode. You, you sent that to me. Yeah, uh, I probably did. <laughs> because I remember, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. I remember I did a story at like 1230 in the morning and then I did another <laughs> one at like 
4.45, like just waking yeah. up and then you're like, hey, you need to sleep more. Dude, and then you sit me down. <laughs> it's so key because it is like your body's way of flushing your toxins yeah. out of your brain. Um, and I mean, there's so many studies linked to having heart failure later in life by not getting enough sleep earlier in your life. There are, mm. you know, obesity tied to it, high blood pressure. I mean, cancer, everything that goes wrong typically later in life can be brought on earlier by not sleeping enough. So if you're not flushing those toxins out of your body, if you're not giving your body the the recharge time it needs, you're not, you know, building new gray matter in your brain, eventually you're just going to start going south and it, it, it compounds every time too. So you get five hours of sleep one night and five hours of sleep the next night. You can't make up for it by getting seven hours the next night. You still are probably a little bit in a deficit. Um, so if I happen to only get five hours of sleep one night for whatever reason, I try to make up for it by getting eight the next yeah. night and try to try to even it out a little bit. But there's just so many studies linked to mm. why sleep is so key. Um, and if you listen, a lot of the the greatest CEOs in the world have specifically talked about how they still try to get seven or eight hours of sleep, no matter what, like you just figure out a way to, to do your work the next day. Like there's, there's going to be so much more benefit by getting that sleep versus getting that one extra hour of work when you're already super tired. Like you, mm. you might as well just save it to the next day. Like realistically, unless it's a crazy client deadline or something like the world's not going to catch on fire and like die because you didn't do that extra hour of work. Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's a good perspective to have as well. What, uh, you know, with obviously the habits, what do you do to keep your mindset kind of in the right place uh, with, with everything you got going on? Yeah, I think uh, I think meditation and kind of mindfulness has definitely yeah. been key. Like I've tried different ways of doing it. Again, like I said, I use the Calm app now. I've had the Calm app for a couple of years. I think that's been the biggest uh, driver because I'm paying for it that I have to feel like I need to meditate. So, you know, people have I've talked about like YouTube videos and there's like free ways to do it for sure. But again, you take away that accountability perspective where the Calm app you know, I pay whatever. It's not expensive. It's maybe 60 bucks a year. So $5 no. a month. But, um, every single day when you finish meditation, it says like, Hey, congrats. You're on your like 13th day streak or whatever it is, or this is your hundredth day streak. So every time you finish, it gives you that little bit of like dopamine hit for, you know, sticking mm. to your habits. And again, has that accountability factor to it. Um, but I think in terms of keeping my mindset good, meditating every day has certainly helped it. It just gives me 12 to 13 minutes. I don't do like a crazy long meditation session. Again, just enough to, to say I've done it, to stick to that habit. Just showing up to meditate is key. But in those 12 minutes, it's just enough to kind of sit there and not think about work for once and not stress yeah. about what's coming around the corner. I mean, again, like I said, I'm super ADD. I don't take Adderall anymore. So sometimes my brain starts <laughs> yeah. to like wander. Um, but again, it's all about like looping it back and getting into the breath. And I'm not going to go down like the whole uh, like uh, meditation workflow, but like it, it's very much like driven by the breath. And mm -hmm. literally, if, even during the day, if you can just be more mindful by like, okay, I'm getting stressed out about something, something bad is happening let me just take three deep breaths and like really you'd be surprised like what three deep breaths during the day can do when you're just feeling anxious, feeling t like scared, feeling tired, whatever your emotion is so much can be derived back to the breath in terms of just like the soothing benefits, releasing dopamine, like fighting the, the anxiety causing chemicals being released in your body. So um, I think that's helped a lot, especially with all of the various projects I have going on the other day and people calling me up and clients to talk to and I get stressed out on a daily basis, but I like have to have some way to, to kind of bring it all back at multiple points throrough the day. Yeah, no, definitely. Med Meditation is awesome. I mean, I've only been doing it for 
Probably 12 months, honestly, a full year. That's but better than most. I mean, it's at first I thought it was kind of weird. You know, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm about to just start floating or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some people, I have a friend in uh, California and she swears by it. I mean, she's literally like transformed into it. She's been meditating. She's been in practice for like six or seven years, maybe if wow. not more. She's like a yoga instructor and mindfulness instructor as well. But like when she meditates, it's like an hour long and she's like, transported out of her body is the way she describes it like i i would love to get to that level at some point because it sounds awesome probably definitely is like a, a complete cleanse of your day um but even like you said just sticking to it for a year you can start to see some like pretty crazy benefits come from it yeah no doubt and it's, i think it's easier too to gain clarity um, 100%. because you have that you know calm obviously the calm app but yeah. you know you have that calming feeling in your mind where you can actually just gain clarity on where you actually want to be in life, which is so important. So important. I mean, I think it's important to just take that. And again, this is a part of my morning routine. I, I do like vis- visualization every day. Yeah. So just taking literally three minutes, putting on one of my favorite, like hype up songs, closing my eyes and just like thinking about where I want to be like, okay, I'm like, got, you know, some sick EDM song on. I'm like, I'm in a Lambo driving down, like yeah. driving down the highway. I don't know. It sounds like dumb and kind of cliche and maybe like a little, um, uh, a little materialistic, I guess, in a sense. But that, if that's what motivates you and that's what you want to achieve and like getting a super sick car has always been your goal, then like, let that be your motivating force and like close your eyes and, and like, leech into that a little bit yeah your, your girlfriend walks in you're like turn it down yeah. I'm visualizing <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's all I need to switch that up because I've been doing opposite I've been doing classical music mm. to Beethoven like yeah. soothing I'm taking doing a calm Lamborghini drive over yeah, here whatever works like you're hauling yeah me. whatever works man I'm I've when I was doing work for Lamborghini, I had the opportunity to, to drive Lamborghinis every weekend and got to see what it was like and, and put myself in that mindset. And I think ever since mm. then, I mean, I, every weekend I had a new car, whether that was a Lamborghini Huracan or Ferrari 458 or Bentley or G-Wagon. Every weekend I had the experience of like borrowing a car to go out and make content with it. Um, and through that, I mean, that was motivation in itself because now I've been there. I've done that. I've felt what it's like behind the driver's seat of a Ferrari, like hauling ass off a stoplight and like those things are again it's like different things motivate different people but like that's the kind of stuff that was like truly brought joy to my life i wouldn't go buy a lamborghini because i thought it was like a cool car that was going to impress people i'd buy a lamborghini because i'm like happy as hell but when i'm like behind the wheel of a lamborghini and i love doing that um so that's kind of you got to find what motivates you and it's different for everybody but you know put yourself in that mindset of of where you want to be in a year year two years from now three years from now whatever pick your music that works for you and then like bring that into your mentality every single morning. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, yeah, I used to drive whenever there was in-person meetings. Uh, I used to drive down Queens road Yeah, and just obviously there's some big mansions on there and oh, just yeah. really just picture myself, obviously, you know, rolling up to a house like that one day. It's so crazy what that, what that can do to your crazy. mind and then translates to your habits, to your work ethics and, yeah. and ultimately to what your life should be like. So for sure. I mean, you got to find what motivates you. Some people don't want that life. Some people just want to have a um, small little house, um, you know, on the beach with an fa- awesome family. I mean, I want that too, but like find what motivates you and just like picture it once a day and you'll be surprised yeah. like how much that gets you out of a rut. Um, mm. And also like gratitude, I think is key. Like every morning remembering like, okay, what am I grateful for today? The fact I have a roof over my head, an awesome apartment, the fact I have a studio I can make content in, the fact I have an amazing girlfriend, the fact I have a fun little dog, like all those <laughs> things are, are things to be grateful for. And 
even if the rest of the day goes to shit and the rest of your week, you know, turns out not the way it was planned, like you still have those things to fall back on and just being grateful and thinking about that every morning as well helps you to fall into this rut of depression or anxiety. Mm, yeah. And it's unfortunately those two things are so prevalent right now uh, yeah. in today's society, especially so. with unemployment mm. and people not knowing what the future of their jobs look like. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, no, especially, I mean, even those entrepreneurs out there who, who you know, if they own a restaurant, a bar, I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of sad. So yeah. yeah, definitely. Well, what would you say, your one word right now to really describe the success that you've had over the years, you know, if you had to really just put, put one word. Ooh, to describe the success. That's a tough one. Yeah. Um, that was the one I told you I was going to say, but not tell you. <laughs> the so. curveball, the curveball. <laughs> oh man. I mean, I, I hate to go off of what I just said, but I feel like the, the idea of like gratefulness, like mm. is key, like very, I don't know if it's a cliche term, but I am just like very grateful for the opportunities that I've had. And I, I think that I've certainly had a degree of luck involved and I've certainly had some degree of privilege to, but not a, I, again, came from a very poor family, not poor, but working class family yeah. and, you know, didn't have a trust fund. I didn't have a safety net. And, you know, I'm grateful that I was able to receive a great education and through that great education was able to land a great job and through that great job was able to then start to fund my side hustles and put money back into that and save for retirement and build a Roth 401k from an early age. And just very grateful that the path of life that I happen to fall down right now is working out for me. I mean, you never know a month from now, two months from now where things are going to be like nobody expected coronavirus to be here. And some people have been severely impacted by that. Some people have just dumped their life savings into opening a restaurant mm. only to have it impacted, you know, a couple weeks later and, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars out the door. So, um, I'm just very grateful that again, the path I've chose has been working for me, but you know, who knows what the future holds. So I, again, can only be grateful for the present. You don't really know what's around the corner. So I feel like that and, you know, grateful for the, the people around me and honestly, the network, the family I have, mm. very supportive of everything. My girlfriend's super supportive of everything I'm doing. I don't know how she has the patience for what I do sometimes, <laughs> but um, she does. And, you know, people like you in my life, man, that, that just like have the same mindset, very mm. grateful for that, that network of uh, of awesome entrepreneurs and people up to different hustles and people that just have different perspectives on things. So, so again, just very grateful for those people as well, because I certainly could not be where I am today without that network and those friends and those connections that I've built over the years. Ah, I love that, man. I'm going to leave this podcast. It's such a great <laughs> mood, such a gratitude filled mindset. Hey, that's, that's what you got to have, man. I love it. So where, uh, Justin, where can people connect with you? You know, what's first off, like, that and then what's next for your company and then where can people learn more about that like I'll let you take the floor here for sure yeah totally so I, I'm, I'm a huge LinkedIn fan so if nice. you uh, if you look up Justin Justin Kelsey on LinkedIn uh, or LinkedIn forward slash in slash just Justin T Kelsey just look for Justin Kelsey it'll probably be easier but <laughs> yeah um, LinkedIn's definitely the, the easiest place to connect with me and also my Instagram uh, I post kind of just the more casual parts of my day on there lots of fun stories lots of stuff with a girlfriend the dog our adventures whatnot uh, that's Justin Reels, so R-E-E-L-S. Uh, feel free to follow me, DM me. I'm, I'm always like happy to chat with people. So if you have a question about starting your side hustle or whatnot, you know, follow us on there um, and, and just shoot me a DM and ask me questions. I also am I'm in the process of launching a podcast as well called um, Stealth to Wealth is the name we landed on. Um, so if you go to stealth2wealth.com, uh, we're launching a podcast now that's all around 
how to turn your side hustle into your full-time gig. So mm. definitely check us out on there. Uh, if you want to check out the company, it's vaxadigital.com. So V-A-X-A, not Vaxa, Vaxa. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, vaxadigital.com, you can check us out and uh, see some of the work we do and, and some of the awesome e-commerce clients we've had a chance to work with. Yeah, nice, man. Well, I'll put uh, all that information in the show notes, yeah. make it clickable, of course. Um, other than that, man, thanks for coming on. I had a blast on here, and I'm sure the listeners got a lot of value as well. Yeah, I always uh, always love chatting with you. I feel like we're, we're always talking business, talking talking how we're changing the future of Charlotte, talking mindset. So uh, definitely honored and, and glad we were able to finally make the show happen. Yeah, of course, brother. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks. Well, that's it, guys. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode of Next Level Minds. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to connect with Justin on the various social media platforms that he mentioned in the episode. Also, check out his podcast launching soon, Stealth to Wealth. Promise you there's some good value there. Other than that, hope everyone has a great week ahead.